Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. On this episode, we talk with Scale Ton. We talk about the business side of being a miniaturist full-time, and we also talk about the controversial laser cutter 3D printer. Is it cheating? Is it not? Check out this episode. Let us know what you think in the comments. Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures. Hey guys, so first podcast in uh, in a while. Um, those familiar with Miniature Masters was a podcast I did with What the Hell and City Folk. Uh, that was Ryan and Danielle did that a while back. So now I decided to sort of bring it back, but it's just me. Uh, and every episode is going to be a different artist, someone I, I know from Instagram or things like that. Uh, so that being said, this is the new podcast. It's called Scale Talk. And today's first guest uh, is a good friend of mine, uh, Francois from Scaleton. That's how most people know him. So I will let Francois introduce himself. Francois, maybe let us know, you know, what got you into miniatures? Where did your, you know, sort of Instagram name come from? And just a little bit about yourself, just for, for people that don't know you. And then mm -hmm. we'll just take it from there. Absolutely. Yeah, so like you say, right, uh, skeleton. Uh, basically, when I first started uh, getting back into the miniature world, uh, I just did like for fun for myself. You know, I was just uh, building scale cars, like model cars and all that. And then I'm like, I need like something to showcase them. You know, I don't want to keep it just for me. I wanted to show it to people. So I'm like, oh, let's try, let's try. Uh, Instagram account, you know, and the name skeleton, really, it's, I love skulls and skeletons. Uh, and it's in scale. So basically, it's really just, just the, the two words together, there's really no deep meaning or whatever. It's just, it sounded cool that way. And it's kind of just two things you like that kind of came together. Yeah, it was catchy cool. to me. So I, I kept it and obviously that that worked, you know, yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so I went back to it in 2017. Uh, I went to, I remember I went to Michael's. You have that? You guys have that in Canada? Yep. Okay, yep. perfect. So I went there with my wife because she needed to grab some some stuff, some art supplies. And uh, and from far away, I saw like a box of model kit. And that reminds me of when I, when I was a kid, when I used to do that as a kid, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it went crazy from there. You know, I, I bought one, two, and then after that, I got like 10, 15. And, and then that's when I stopped building those dioramas and miniatures. Be able so for to... you, it started more with the cars. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the dioramas, the miniatures was more to sort of give the car a place to be. I would, I would say it's more like the opposite. The ultimate okay. goal was really, for me, I love storytelling. You know, yeah. this is my way of telling stories. You know, some people write books, uh, music or whatever. My yeah. way is just to build a little something like I can see, actually, I can put my myself in it, my little word, you know. And, and, uh, and was, it, was, it, um, was it always a goal for you? Uh, I, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm asking you the questions that are often asked to me, mm -hmm. um, which is cool about interviewing someone that does the same thing as you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm often asked like, you know, oh, how did you start your business or how did you get your business to be so successful? And, and my answer is always like, I didn't start a business. 
This was not, you know, this wasn't me sitting around one day saying like, Ooh, I need money or I need extra money. I'm going to start a business. Um, for me, it was just like, kind of like you, I did it for myself and, and whatever. And I shared it online just to be like, Hey, I made this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just got to a point where it was so busy where it's like, you, you have to make a choice, you know, where it's like, do I follow this or do I keep my day job? And, you know, Mm -hmm. so was it the same for you? Like, or did you, were you like, you know, I'm quitting my job and I'm, I'm investing all my time into this or did you kind of wait till the demand was there? Uh, I feel like it happens organically also, you know, like when I first started, like I said, back in 2017, like I started like having a, when I, on Instagram, like build like a little community because it's, there's tons of people doing that also building like scale models. You know? It could yeah. be anything, it could be like, I don't know, fishing or collecting stamps or whatever. And, uh, and then since I started doing those miniature dioramas, then people start reaching out to me to build some from them, for them. And, and I start doing that, uh, not very serious. I mean, seriously, from my point of view, but I, uh, wasn't able to invest all my time in that because, you know, I was still living in New York city, you know, uh, expensive yeah. life is over here. So, over oh, there, yeah. so I couldn't really go a hundred percent at it, you know? And, uh, but it started getting serious, I would say three years ago. Uh, now I'm, li- now I'm living in Texas, in Dallas. Uh, and then it started getting very serious when I, when I start when I moved over here, uh, some people kept asking like to build different stuff, you know, not just, no, it wasn't just about cars anymore, but the stuff that I would never think about. Yeah. And, and then that's why I decided to the demand is there. People like my work. Uh, so I went, I went hundred percent at it, you know, and now that's, that's what I'm doing now. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, uh, it's, it's always fun to hear other people's journeys, you know, like mm-hmm. how they, how they got to it. Um, I, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My, my parents owned restaurants, my sister owns a store. Um, you know, I've had several businesses in, in my life. As much as I've had a full-time job, I've always I had a web design business at one point. Um, just different, different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was very... Once I saw the demand, it, it, it became a little bit more calculated. Okay. You know, I, it became a little bit more targeted. Um, my, my sort of my marketing education, my marketing brain came into it and I'm like, okay, if, if I, I, I need to push this to a point where I, I give it its full potential to see if I can make a living out of this, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I basically like, you know, that's when I started branding myself and, and being a little bit more strategic about what I post, when I post like Very things important. like that. Um, and, and that's the thing that's often not talked about. In, mm-hmm. in our community, our, our, our industry is, you know, yes, you need multiple skills to be, you know, at the top, you need to be an electrician, you need to be a welder, you need to be like, you need to be as many of the trades as possible on a small scale, the better your work is going to be. But you also need to be an accountant, you need to be a web designer, you need to be a, a, a marketing person, you need to be a social media influencer, you need to be all these other things. So it's, it's almost like a perfect storm, like a perfect recipe mm-hmm. to to become a miniaturist that has over a hundred thousand followers. It's not easy, 
you know, and, and a lot of people think it is a lot of people, you know, you know, I, I get comments all the time that get under my skin, you know, like, Oh, must be nice. Or, Oh, lucky you. Or, and, and, and oh, they don't see nice. when you were at a thousand followers, when you were at 2000 followers and mm-hmm. no one was liking your shit, you know, like we've all been there. And, Absolutely. um, it's, it's just fun to see everybody's path. You know, one of my favorite things about the, uh, the other podcast I had was sort of learning Ryan's story, learning Danielle's story. Uh, Ryan's was very similar to mine. He worked in sort of like graphic design, art direction, that kind of thing, which is my background. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's always like a fun, fun part learning that, you know? Um, and what would you say, like, what would you say is a question you get the most, like in your DMs and comments on your stuff? Besides, how did you make this? How did you make that? Like in terms of your business and your career and whatever, what's mm-hmm. the most common question you get? Uh, I think uh, this, let's say this two, this one serious, one not serious. <laughs> this, yeah. this serious one is uh, uh, people always ask uh, how long I've been doing that. Like this is like, I don't know, I get that like all the time, like once a week, you know, yeah. I have that question. Oh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, it has two meanings. I feel like some people just want to be curious. And when it's from potential customers, they just want to see uh, how credible I am or something like that's the way I feel about it. You know, yeah. like what's your, yeah. and, and I think, and it, this is not to, this is not to shit on anybody in the industry or whatever. I think it's, it's, I'm shitting on artists in general on us, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a, a large part of artists, um, you know, they're a little bit flaky, you know, they, they do what they want to do. They, you know, they, they're up and down on their prices. They like, you know, they're not good at estimating like the time something takes. So the clients become impatient and, and things like that. Um, I think that's sort of like the, the stereotype of, Mm -hmm. of an artist. Um, and I think, you know, clients that don't know the details of what we do, I think that's something that concerns them. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I get the same questions as you, you know, like how long is it going to take? How long am I going to have to wait? Do I have to pay you a deposit? Why do I have to pay you a deposit? Like all these questions. Now, obviously after, you know, 10 plus years, I have answers to all those questions. Um, but I've also found solutions to mm-hmm. always getting those questions. So uh, actually not long ago, I updated my, my profile on Instagram. And if you notice the first line, it says like professional miniature artist for over a decade. Yeah, that, so that right away tells them like, I've been doing this for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's honestly cut back on people asking me, how long have you been doing this? Um, yeah, because that goes back to what you said earlier. That's another aspect of as a business owner, like answering questions and all that, that way you can wean out all those, yeah. you know, like, I mean, look, after 10 years, I, I know after five minutes of chatting with somebody if they're a real client or if they're just like fishing, if they're just like, you know, they, they, and, and you know, the, the thing is like, I, I, some people get very insulted when people tell them they have a certain budget or something like that. Um, but the thing is like, if people don't know you, you can't be upset. And art is one of those things. Like you can charge whatever you want. Technically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you, I, I've I've seen art that's sold for millions, and I'm like, really? Like, 
and yeah. and I'm an artist. Like I should be respecting of that, but I'm not because I don't understand it. And clients are mm-hmm. the are the same way. Um, and Especially like the one who's I think you know I've had cli- yeah, and I've had clients like they're like, hey, I want this, 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 and this, and I'm like, okay, and they're like, how much does it cost? And I give them the price, and they're like, oh, well, I was hoping to spend like three hundred bucks, and I'm just like, sorry, you know, like that's yeah. that's not the, the the quality of work that I, I produce, you know, like I mm-hmm. like I may spend three hundred dollars on materials to create yeah, your piece so that it's accurate, so that it's well done. Um, you know, like it's, they don't know, you know, they don't know. No, so they don't know. Can. And I, and I don't get upset. I've, I've, you know, I've seen chats, screenshots of chats with people that like get upset with the clients and tell them off and, and get defensive. And it's like, there, there's no need for that. You know, um, mm-hmm. if, if people don't know, like, I mean, I remember like, you know, when you're sort of becoming an adult and it's like the first time you have to call a plumber by yourself, you know, and the guy's like, it's two fifty an hour. And you're like, what? <laughs> and you're just questioning exactly. your life. You're like, maybe I should have been a plumber. Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of the same way, right? Like I always try and put myself in, in the position of someone that's never bought a miniature before. They've never paid for an art piece before. Um, and you just have to be smart about it. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I have questions all the time from other artists. Like, how do you get clients uh, like to not be flaky? And I was like, well, they all pay me 50% up front. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. They're like, how do you get them to do that? And I'm like, I don't get them to do it. It's my policy. I will yeah, not take your project. Good. I will not start your project without a 50% deposit. And you, it will not be shipped unless I have 100% of it paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had, client, no, I've had clients that are just... like, oh, I'll pay you the balance when I receive it. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. Yeah, like. <laughs> Sorry, like I'm not, I'm not at, I'm at a point where like I'm not so desperate for business mm-hmm. that I would take a risk like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, there are a couple of, you know, when you talk about corporate clients, it's different. Um, you know, the the Netflix and Amazon and these types of clients, usually it's, you know, they they pay, you know, within thirty days or they have their own policies on uh, on what they pay and how they pay. But obviously, these are trustworthy mm-hmm. companies and. You know, the budget is higher too, and it's not like someone's pocket, you know, it's the budget for a company and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's good. To, yeah. It's and good like, to I, have you know, skills. I sign contracts with these people and things like that. So, like, they, the same way that I can't just drop the project, like, neither can they, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's the, and for me, gig. like, as a business, like the business side of it, um, you know, the deposits, also keep like a steady, a steady stream of, of income coming in, you know? So if I have a project that takes me three months Mm -hmm. and I got the deposit for it five months ago, well, I can't go three months without income, you know, Mm -hmm. and the deposit I got three months ago is probably gone, you know, like I pay my bills and whatever. Right. So, you know, the, the, the constant like projects coming in, that are giving me deposits, like that's my pay, right? Like that's my, that's what, yeah. And then like, as I finish projects, then I have all the balances coming in. So that there's always like a constant stream of Mm -hmm. money coming in, like anyone that would have a a regular job. I mean, that's another, like you say, it goes back to, again, what you said earlier, that's another skill to have as a business owner. And not just about the artist that has nothing to do with that, but it's be able to keep all that, to keep track of all this too. 
um, you know, be able to manage all those things, time, money, uh, workflow and all that, that's lots of skills. Yeah. And it's, and, and I find it's, it's the boring part that nobody wants to talk about. Um, but yes. <laughs> and I've, I've had so many other miniaturists reach out to me and they're like, how do you get started? Or they're already started and they're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you get successful? How do you, and I give them that type of advice and it's like, it's not what they want to hear. You know, they want to hear like, oh, you need to get better at weathering. Like that, that's not like I'm going to say something that's very mean and I, I might get canceled because of it, but like, there's a lot of shitty artists that make mm -hmm. very good money. Art is subjective. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's subjective. There's no, like, I can't say, oh, this is how you weather a car or this is how you create rust. I always, I'm, I'm always trying, I try and pick my words very carefully when I do tutorials or any video where I'm showing something. I always try and say like, this is how I do it. That's a way to do it. This is how I do it. This is how I figured out how to do it or how I learned to do it from so-and-so. It's not the way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's that's the thing about art. You One know, there's, there's no, like, are there people that are better than others? It depends what you're talking about. And it depends who you're asking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but but then like, I feel like what makes, makes a good artist slash businessman is be able to get the best of a lot of everything. You don't have to be the best at this, but then if you're good at that, this, this, and everything else, that yeah. makes you a successful artist. Yeah. And I, I started my, my career. When I say career, I think I was like 18 years old. Uh, I wanted to work in set design for film. Okay. And well, actually I wanted to work in miniatures for films. Okay. And literally like the 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 couple of like the year i was graduating high school and sort of deciding what i was going to do with my life was right after jurassic park came out okay and when jurassic park came out like i graduated in 98 jurassic park came out in 93. by 98 they were saying like miniatures are done no cgi right it's all cg whatever they still make miniatures today but like a fraction of the time that they did before before mm -hmm. was like every single movie like half of ghostbusters mm -hmm. is miniatures yeah, I mean, yeah, no um so that kind of scared me in terms of like a career path i was like geez i want to go into this and it's already being wiped out mm -hmm. um so i said you know what i still want to work in film i still want to work in the movie industry so i moved down to miami which i know you're you're moving too soon uh, I moved down to Miami and I worked for this company called made for film, mm -hmm. um, the number four, and they had like big contracts with like Sony pictures and Sony music. So all the music videos and stuff like that. And I learned a ton of stuff. Um, but, uh, after about a year, yeah, a year, which was about like three or four, uh, productions, um, I quit, okay. uh, mostly because it was not as creative as I thought. And it was, it was like a glorified construction worker. So it was not following orders without not, not necessarily the orders. It was more like a lot of building walls, building stages, building okay. like it was all two by fours in plywood. Like there was very little painting murals or anything remotely artistic. Okay. It was always towards the end. And it was always, obviously the more senior people would get the more creative stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's also a union in the film industry. So like when you're at the bottom of the list, like 
you know, by the time you get a call to do something big, it's, you know, you're 40. Yeah. Um, Couldn't wait. That so, long, I guess. yeah. And so that kind of discouraged me, whatever. But I mean, I use those skills today, you know, not only when I build how I build, but also, you know, I, I, I think of what I'm making as a movie set. Okay. And so you, and, you were able to get those skills to your business now, but I guess. Yeah. And I just shrink them down. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you. You know that you said earlier, like, uh, you're a miniature artist, you're a businessman and all that, that requires like some discipline, you know, to make everything work, uh, together. What is a typical day for you? You know, like, because you gotta keep that in line. Yeah. So typical day, um, Usually I will start my morning at the computer. Okay. So I start with the more like administrative stuff. I check my emails, I check my Instagram, I answer any messages, whatever. If I'm going to post something that day, I'll post it in the morning. Um, usually I prepare that post like the night before. Um, okay. Sometimes I schedule it. Sometimes I wait. Um, so I do that kind of stuff in the morning. Um, and then I sort of see if there's anything that needs to be laser cut, 3d printed, like anything machine based that needs to sort of be started so that it's doing its thing. Yeah. So usually I'll get the laser cutter going, I'll get the 3d printer going in the morning. Uh, and then I'll go in my shop and continue whatever project I'm working on. Um, usually my goal is to have at least two to three projects going on at the same time. Um, there's a lot of, uh, dead space working on projects, you know, like you have to glue this thing, you clamp it, it needs to dry. Well, that 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is that that glue needs to dry, I'm not going to sit there and do nothing. So, you know, I go and I'm going to go paint this little thing on this project and, and whatever. Uh, one of the reasons I'm expanding my shop, um, is cause I don't have the space to work on multiple projects. I still do it now. It's just a pain because uh, I literally will have to take a project out of the room and put it somewhere else and then bring the other project in, work on that one. Um, and like many artists, I get sidetracked very easily. So it's happened before where like, you know, project number two, which is priority number two, will get an entire day of attention because that's the project that's in my shop on my workbench at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's why you don't want to kill the creativity, I guess. Yeah. Right? Um, and and the, the biggest challenge with my workflow and, you know, my sort of business ethic compared to a lot of artists I talk to is I don't make whatever I want. And we, we spoke about this on Instagram uh, earlier this week. Um, I don't, it's not that I don't have that luxury. I could, if I wanted to, uh, I have a lot of upset, I have a lot of upset clients if I started doing whatever I wanted. But, um, the thing is like, I put myself in a position where I enjoy what I do and I enjoy this and I enjoy the themes of what I'm doing. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I can refuse work if it doesn't interest me. Um, okay. because I know if I'm not interested, it's going to be a struggle mm -hmm. to get it done. I'll still get it done. Okay. But it's mm -hmm. going to be like, ugh, you know, and I hate that. Like one reason why I always wanted to work for myself is because I don't like that feeling of waking up and going, ugh, now I have to work, you know? Yeah, um, 
I'm not freedom gonna, this yeah, right and now. I'm not going to lie. I, I have taken on projects that I'm less motivated than others um, mm -hmm. because it is a business and you, you have to make a living. So sometimes you just, you know, if, it, if it's a good amount of money, it's worth having that feeling for, you know, a week or two. And that's like, yeah. and, and in all yeah. honesty, I've, I love what I do so much that I may initially be like, ugh, like, or I've never seen this movie or this theme or whatever, and I'm not interested. But once I really get into the build, I start getting excited again. And, you know, like, I want to see it finished mm -hmm. as much as the client does. Uh, and that's what, pushes me forward every day. Um, so to go back to your initial question, Amazing. like a typical day, so uh, I'll work, you know, I would say I start in the shop probably around 10. Um, and but like, you know, once I leave the computer, I mean, uh, and then usually like around five, 530. It's like supper time. So I kind of leave the shop. As it is, I make sure, you know, nothing hot is plugged yeah. in or whatever, but I just leave everything there. And usually after supper, I'll go down and I'll clean up uh, and make sure all the tools are put away and whatever, and that my, my piece is just sitting there by itself, um, mm -hmm. sort of at its current status. And then the next morning I start fresh. Um, That's amazing. I mean, yeah, because you, you are, you're also a family man, so you gotta keep that in track, you know, like discipline and, yeah. and all that. I try not to work past five or six and I try not to work weekends. Has it happened? Yes. Okay. Um, not often though. Like if, if you would ask my girlfriend, like how often that's happened, very little. Um, the most recent time that it happened was the Amazon project that I did. Um, yeah, yeah they gave me, me two fair. weeks. Um, so it was either I can get it done in two weeks or I don't get the contract. So it was one of those, like I acted totally confident and I was like, yeah, no problem. Two weeks, no problem. And then got off the phone. and was like, how the am I going to do this? You know? Um, and I did it. Yeah. I did it in 11 days. Uh, I was doing about 12 hours a day weekends. Like, yeah, it was insane. But I like that. That proves right there that your work ethic took over. You could easily rush, you know, rush stuff like most yeah. people would do. No, you decide not to taking more time if you have to, but then the, the result will be exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, you know, in my head, I know that I cut corners, but mm -hmm. I didn't cut corners anywhere that like would be visible or, or things like that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like the, yeah. yeah and and in the end, like I ended up doing more than what the client asked because they didn't want interiors of all the buildings. But the thing mm -hmm. is like the buildings were lit up and they all had these big windows and I was just like, Good. I have to put something in there. I can't, you know? So in a way I cut corners in some places, but in other places I had, I did extra than what was requested. So in the end it kind of evened out, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's always those kind of projects where, you know, like that was a show I had never seen um, that they wanted me to recreate the set of, uh, but they sent me amazing, um, reference material. They basically had somebody go on the set. So it's, it's a street, but it's built inside of a soundstage. Um, okay. so they had somebody from the crew, like go and take pictures of all the signs and all the buildings and all that stuff. So it was super, super helpful, especially that I had never seen the show. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't have the time to, 
watch an entire season and take screenshots and you know yeah yep yeah, yeah, yeah what about you like what's like your biggest project that you've done not in size but like mm, i feel like I, I just did one last week that was the not the biggest the most challenging in a way mm -hmm. because it was usually what i'm doing what i love doing is anything industrial rusty uh, it's dirty you know i love that because it has a lot of character mm -hmm. and lots of story to tell you know did you but did you post it is it something i can look at uh yeah it's like um it's like a house like a it's like long stuff like that like very long house oh yeah i see it that's the one it was like uh, a trailer a trailer movie. type house with yeah, the, with the like car that. at an angle yeah. yeah yeah that's what it is very exactly cool. and uh basically there was uh a house like that, that used to be there, but it got torn down for some reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, the customer had a family reunion. Okay. It happened like last Saturday, you know, and he wanted to have a replica of one section of the house to showcase to, to the whole family. And he sent me the video that was amazing. It made me feel good when I, when I saw that video, the final reveal, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and and was this amazing. was like but the was house amazing. where they grew up or something? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, I had to make the best with only two or three pictures. That's yeah. from two angles. So I had to really like eyeball a lot of stuff. Uh, so that's maybe that's what I was the most challenging because yeah. I had to follow a lot of instruction, but without much reference. Uh, so it was maybe challenging for that reason. And also because it's not really what I usually do. Uh, but make it happen and yeah. that was really really fun project yeah. that's, you know? that's definitely a challenge um when you make something that exists or existed there's a different level of uh, not different level but like a, a lack of forgiveness um and that's that's a that's something that i i express often i've i've said it in other podcasts where, where i was interviewed and whatever um you know a lot of what i do is i'm recreating tv you know, sets from TV shows or movie sets mm -hmm. and things like that. And these are things that, you know, that technically not real because they're fictional, but like they're real things that existed and people know them very, very well, especially if it's a TV show, they've seen hundreds of episodes. Yeah. Um, it's great because I have a lot of reference, but I'm also making something that everyone knows what it looks like. Yeah, so there's, know every there's not a lot of, you know, creative forgiveness on, you know, like I see a lot of people like they mostly just do abandoned stuff and whatever, and, and everything's dirty and weathered and it looks amazing. But if, if that's not a real place and you accidentally spill some black paint or whatever, you can kind of be like, eh, weathering, you know what I mean? Oh, weathering is like, uh, <laughs> you can, you can cover whatever you want. Yeah. But the, if you're making, you know, a set from Back to the Future or whatever, and you do that, you're, you're screwed. Like, you got to fix it, you know? I like this type of detail. For me, I always see it as a Easter eggs, something like that. You yeah. know, like, it's it's very subtle, but it makes a lot of sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love those type of details. It, it, again, it, it kind of creates another story on top of... Yeah, and, and it's also like, you know, knowing the show, knowing the movie, knowing the scene... It also helps you decide, you know, where am I going to crop this building? How am I going to angle this building? Because you know, like, oh, on the show, it's always seen from this angle. 
So that's the mm -hmm. angle I'm going to build. So when people see it, it's going to trigger that nostalgia, that moment, you know? Um, so I try and think of, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult, but it's hard to explain to people that like, for me, that's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Um, there's artists that like, it's also one of the reasons why I don't replicate a lot of my work. Um, because the second time around, there's no challenge. You're just replicating. There's no fun anymore. There's no fun anymore. And, um, that's the thing, right? Like for me, figuring it out is part of the fun part, figuring out like what material yeah, am I going to use? What I think also some people, maybe they didn't, they, they don't know yet. Maybe they don't have the experience yet and they haven't been exposed to using more material yeah. and all that. That can be, that can be that too. For sure. You know? like For sure. Maybe in five years, that person will come back. Shit. Why didn't I use yeah. wood before, you know? And, and I think when it comes to realism, one of the skill sets I notice is texture. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's part of weathering, but not really. Um, you know, to me, texture is like, you know, I'm looking at, um, you know, one of your, your, your red Supreme car mm -hmm. that has like the dirt on the windows and the leaves and all that. Like, yes, that's, it's weathering cause it's, you use paint and, and whatever, but it's also the, the texture, right? Like the dirt, you whatever you use to make the dirt is not shiny paint. It's, it's matte. Why mm -hmm. do you use matte? Well, because dirt's not shiny. You know what I mean? That's, that's texture for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, when you do like a gravel road, you, you know, like it, I find it so easy for people that don't study texture and scale to just be like, Oh, I'm just going to use like the same gravel that's in my fish tank. But it's like, but look at gravel, yeah. like look at the size of gravel in real life and yeah, actually scale it. That. It's probably closer to sandpaper. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you have to, like, I find like a lot of people, a lot of artists will sort of use the next closest thing instead of really mm -hmm. trying to, you know, like, and sometimes I like in my own work, I'll get comments and I'm, just, I, I'm almost insulted sometimes. Cause it's like, I created this whole piece and everyone's asking me, what did you use to make the carpet? And I'm just like, really? Like, that's what you're curious about. <laughs> but because the texture is to scale and it, it, it just, it, people, they're really like, that. what did you use? Like, it's not miniature carpet. Like, what is it? You know? Um, and to answer the question is I often use suede. Okay. So for like under like one twenty four scale, if you use mm -hmm. like the suede, that's not like smooth, it can kind of look that, like a, like carpet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's also very fun to do your research on that, you know, like, yeah. For me, I have, I have so much fun, like, like just figure out how can I do this, you know? And then once I get it, I'm like, yeah, I got it. Do you and test? Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I never, I mean, sometimes I can go like freestyle or something because I know maybe I used it before or something, yeah. but I, I don't know. I, I just buy like tons of stuff all the time. You know, sometimes I go to Daiso and all that, those art, art store and I just see something mm -hmm. and I'm like, maybe I use one day. I don't know. You know, yeah. 
And then when the day comes, you know, when I have something, I'm, I'll, I always try to I sit down and figure out how can I rep replicate this, yeah. you know. I think it's just a, 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 you almost change your brain. You change how you mm -hmm. think. You know, like exactly. I, I don't go a day without looking at something that has a texture. And sort of like, even if it's not like I'm, I'm not consciously thinking of it, but like in the back of my mind, it's like I'm, I'm taking a picture and I'm doing save. And I'm mm -hmm. saying like, hey, this fabric looks like a miniature version of, you know, wicker or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like it looks like, and I may not use that for a year, but I'll remember. And, you know, because sometimes like people are like, oh, what did you use to do this? And I'm like, oh, I use like a sheet of parchment paper or whatever. They're like, wow, how did you think about that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I probably thought about it a year ago and I only <laughs> used it today. Um, but there's also yeah. like one thing I, I feel is also not talked about is. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this is just me, but you let me know if it's happened to you. I learn a lot from mistakes. Oh, definitely. Um, I like, I have these, this one, um, type of clear coat that I have is spray can. And for some reason, whenever I use it with my Vallejo paints, it makes it just crack and bubble and looks like garbage. But, I could look but for if that's what you're going for now, I know how to do it. Yeah. So when people are like, Oh, how did you come up with that technique? And it's like, you know, everyone wants like a YouTube link or they want to like instructions. And it's just like, just try, man, just try stuff. And when you make mistakes, study with the mistake. What does that look like? Exactly. Can I use this mistake? It's not useful for me today, but can I use it for something else? You know? And now, you know, like one, one, one more skill like that. Yeah. And, um, I've learned tons of like tons of my techniques come from mistakes like that. Oh, that's amazing. It feels good. Like once you. I happen to be like all the time too, yeah. you know, like once you have like, like you make a mistake again, I, I like to see the positive and everything, yeah. you know, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I messed up. Now I can use for something yeah. else. It's okay. I can redo whatever, what yeah. I wanted to do. But that's do, what I'm saying. Know? Like it, it changes your brain and how you think like, you know, that, that's amazing because you know, like, again, like you, it's a mistake and now you make the best of it. Yeah. And that's it. Whenever you get something, you don't even have to think about that you know how to do it. Then you can focus on whatever you don't know how to do yet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You know? And what's your, what's your process in, um, for example, like I'm your client, right? And I'm mm -hmm. like, Hey, Francois, I want you to make my, you know, this car, I had this car like growing up as a kid, I want you to make this car. Uh, and I want it in like an LA style, like parking lot with palm trees. So I'm the client. Mm -hmm. I just requested that. Like, what's your first thought? Your first, like, what a way I'm going to ask, uh, if it's a, if it's a real place, of course, I'm going to ask for a reference picture. If mm -hmm. it's, if they want something in the team of, of something fictional that I have like full freedom, mm -hmm. which I have that often, which is kind yeah. of cool. Uh, I ask them if they can send me a few reference picture, but of what's something they have in mind, you know, so I can pinpoint, you know, so I can have a, I can kind of see their vision, you know, what about the, like, see, I'm, 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 I like your answer because it's different than mine. Okay. So for me, I, so, so for me, it's always, 
the minute someone tells me I want this, mm -hmm. my first thing is like, what's the hardest part of this build? Or what's the part of this build that I cannot make with my hands myself? Right? Okay. So in, in something like this, it would probably be the car. Right? The car is sort of the, the centerpiece of it. Like, for example, like mm -hmm. the Batman thing, I made everything except for the car. I repainted the okay. car, I added lights to the car, I modified it, but I didn't make the car, I didn't 3D print it, or yeah, it's, it's a purchased car. Yeah. Um, so I always start with that. You know, I like if it's rare, I'll go on Amazon and see like what it's going for in terms of price. If it's something more popular or common, I'll check Amazon and see, you know, what, what I'm dealing with. Um, mm -hmm. cause like everything else in terms of like buildings, whatever, I know I can build pretty much anything, but for me, my, yeah, my first thought is, you know, what's the hardest part of this? Because if I, mm -hmm. if I can nail the hardest part of it in the first five minutes in my head, then I know I'll, I'll be okay to, to, to make the build. And it also helps me in terms of like pricing, right? Like if, mm -hmm. if the car is the star of the thing and the car is a hundred dollars, then my pricing starts from there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that, for sure. Like reference material, like you said, is super important. Um, yeah. I always ask for that, you know, and then once uh, I got all those references and all that, uh, I just kind of study everything. See, I, I do my research then yeah. how, like, how I can price this, 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 and I get back to this with, with them, with, uh, with the price. Mm -hmm. Uh, then it's yes or no, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like, uh, can you make it cheap now? It's just, yeah. that's it. Oh, yeah. I, I'll negotiate with my clients, but not, um, not like free negotiation. It's if, mm -hmm. if we're negotiating, it's because we're either adding stuff or removing stuff. Okay. So in my case, you know, if the client's like, oh, well, it's, you know, out of my budget and I'm like, well, you know, you requested that, you know all the lighting stuff worked. I'm like, if we remove the lighting and make no lights, I can do it for this price. Okay. Or yeah, you know, yeah, if we I change the scale to this, idea. I can do it for this price. Or if we, if we remove, you know, like instead of doing the whole building, if we do like just the front, I can do, you know, so I, I'll mm -hmm. work with them that way, but it, it, it'll never be like they get exactly what they wanted for a lower price without changing anything from my first price that usually doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I, again, after 10 years of doing this, I can quickly roughly budget in my head, like, okay, materials, it's going to cost me about this, the car yeah. or whatever element I have to buy is going to cost me around this. Um, and you know, you always buffer like extra for materials, but, um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk about, was um it's a topic we never really covered on the other podcast um and it's i mean i say it's controversial maybe it's controversial to me or i think it's controversial um there's a sort of stigma in the community where if you have a laser cutter or you have a 3d printer um you know, you're less of an artist or you're doing less or you're creating less or it's easier. I'm going to tell you my opinion, but I want to know yours first. Okay. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I don't think. Well, first that of all, is... do you use either one of those tools? 
No, I don't, I don't have the space for that, okay. you know. Uh, 3D printing, I would like to, but this is my take on the 3D printing. Uh, I don't have enough space. Mm -hmm. It's a small apartment. I have a baby with me. It's still pretty new technology to me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of don't know the long-term effect of those fumes or whatever, you know. That's why I try to stay away from it. Uh, I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but you, you've bought 3D prints before, right? Oh, yeah. I buy from people, okay. you know. So you buy but 3D prints and you print them myself. and all this. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to do the I don't want to do the 3D printing at home myself. I can buy from everyone. Okay. You know, there's no problem with that. It's just my that's my take. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but okay. maybe you know. Uh, so that's why I don't have those tools. Or at least not yet. Okay. Whenever I get a bigger space, maybe. I don't think that's cutting corners. No, I don't think that's mm -hmm. you less of an artist, because the, the for me the creative part is the finish piece. Yeah. In a way. And I, I guarantee you, because this is the case for me, if ever you have the space and mm -hmm. you start using those tools, no one will be able to notice. They shouldn't, okay. right? If the quality mm -hmm. of your work is a certain way, they won't mm -hmm. notice. I will just save It will time, save you. You will notice because it's mm -hmm. going to save you a lot of time. But at the end result will not change that much. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to cut a piece of wood differently that you needed, whether you have a laser cutter or a jigsaw or a knife, you know, yeah. um, for me, in my case, I've only been using both of those tools since last August. So it's been about a year. That's it? Yeah. Oh, it's only been about a year. Yeah. That's the difference. That's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Did. And anyone that ever accuses me of like, oh, use a laser cutter or I'm like, I'm like, okay, go on my website. Tell me which ones I use a laser cutter and which ones I, I use a 3D printer. Yes. I go, and then I will agree to you that you're right. It's it's a cheat. Mm -hmm. It's a and and the thing is like I use that as an example because it's the perfect example. The quality of my work has not changed in the past 10 years because I got these tools. The only thing mm -hmm. that's changed is time. So I can create projects a little Very bit fun. faster. Um you know it's it's time because it it it's it can cut quicker than you and more accurate and replication. So if I need, you know, uh, let's say like a strip that's three inches by half an inch, but I need 12 of them. Yeah, I can mm -hmm. cut those by hand, but my machine can cut it in three minutes. That's exactly. the difference. So those pieces like... will not be any different than if I would have cut them myself. It's just faster for me. It has nothing to do with the viewer or the person buying it or anything like that. If any of the person buying it is probably going to get a better deal because if I had to do certain things by hand, like chances are my price is going to go up. Mm -hmm. So it kind of benefits everybody and they're going to get their thing faster. Like the Amazon project in two weeks would have not been possible with, oh, the, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I only did like the only thing I 3d printed on that entire project was a little mailbox. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything else like was handmade and the, the buildings were laser cut. Um, the other thing is everything I 3d print and laser cut is designed by me. I don't, I don't get free files and print them and I don't do any of that mostly because I've tried. So half the time I can't find the things I need just because they're so specific to that movie or that TV show and they have to be exact. Um, yeah, you can't just like, yeah. And the thing is a lot of the 3d files that are out there especially for the rarer stuff, they're meant to be printed at a certain scale. Mm 
So okay. when you take, for example, a mailbox, if I find a free file, I might print it this big, but it's meant to be printed this big. Well, now the, the wall thickness of that is like less than a millimeter. Mm -hmm. So every time I've tried to print files from the web and whatever that like, it always goes bad because it, it becomes too thin or too brittle or it's not made to be printed, you know, 10 millimeters tall or, or whatever. So I just gave up on that and I just designed my own stuff. And that makes it even better. Yeah. I mean, uh, as in, for you as an artist, that makes uh, even better. I mean, the guy does everything, yeah. you know? And and that's where like sort of my, my background in graphic design and all that like really steps in because, you know, all the stuff that's laser cut has to be done in Illustrator and, you know, design mm -hmm. and all that. And you have to also like, you know, what, what a lot of people don't realize is like, yes, these tools are faster and, and more accurate, but you also have to learn how to use these tools. All these tools have their own, you know, you can buy a laser cutter tomorrow and you can message me and be like, Hey David, how do you do this? And this is like, depends on your machine, man. Like it, yeah. it's so yeah. finicky, like even from one 3d printer to another, even if it's the same brand, like you got to know your tool and know what you can get away with and whatever, you know, like you might have a 50 watt laser and I have a 50 watt laser, but for some reason at 50% mine cuts MDF and yours has to be at 80%, like mm -hmm. just because of, you know, and you have to like learn these things. Um, I mean, that's part of the fun too, right? For sure. Like, for sure. It's super fun. Oh, and, and now everything has to be like quick, 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 yeah. you know? And, and the thing is, I, I, I think a lot of the, the hate towards these tools um, often comes from people that do it as a hobby. A lot of people that mm -hmm. do it full time always tell me the same thing. Oh man, I wish I had the room for these things, or I wish I had these tools. Uh, a hobbyist who probably doesn't have like the the budget, the resources to allow not the budget, but like not to say they don't have money. What I mean is like they can't justify spending that kind of money for a yeah. hobby that doesn't bring in any money, right? Like a five thousand mm -hmm. dollar laser cutter, it's not for everybody. Um. So there's always like a little bit of that bitterness that kind of, you know, they're like, oh, well, you have this, but it's like, yeah, but for me, this is a business, right? At the end of the day, like yeah. talk to anybody that owns a business. If you tell them like, hey, for $5,000, I can get you a tool that's going to, you know, triple the speed of your work and your output and your income and everything. Any business owner is going to be like, here's five grand, man, let's go. Like, so there, there's that fine line between, you know, this is a hobby and this is a business, you know, businesses, you invest in your business, you invest in your tools, everything you do towards that hobby is an investment because it's a business and, and all these things are expenses as mm -hmm. well. So, um, I, I think that it's, it's, uh, you know, and in general, like there's people that don't embrace technology there's that's just a that's the general i mean business, yeah. are you uh, one of those people i mean <laughs> again it, it depends on the mindset you know <laughs> no i mean like it depends on the mindset of the goal but for any business i feel like if you want to evolve i mean you gotta yeah. follow the technology you know i mean it's unless you want to stay in your own in your own way but yeah. then it's on that's on time, and, and you know and that's uh, the thing, like, anything, you know? I don't feel like I'm making things now 
with the laser cutter and the 3D printer that I couldn't have made before. It's just different, okay. right? What, I, what I've used, maybe polymer clay before, I use a 3D printer now. And it's, and believe it or not, like, you know, anyone that's been following my work for a long time, it's never my first option. You know, when, when I really start my project and I'm on the computer and I have my reference material, that's when I'm deciding, okay, this is going to get laser cut. This is going to get 3D printed. This I'm doing by hand. Um, that's usually how you yeah. start a project. Like before you start anything, yeah, I don't physically like make anything. I, I kind of look at the whole thing and I decide like, you know, in, in my head, I have three tools, right? I have the laser cutter, I have the 3d printer and I have me. And before mm -hmm. I physically make anything, I decide who's going to make those things. Okay. So I kind mm -hmm. of look at like, okay, like I'm, I have to build this room. Um, and in this room, there's this very specific chair. So I look at the chair. I'm like, okay, first of all, cause my first option is always, can I laser cut it just because it's, it's the cheapest in terms of material and it's the fastest. So anything that's flat that can be made out of flat pieces usually tends to be laser. So walls, windows, doors, uh, any of that kind of stuff, roofs, whatever. Um, and then anything that's like super organic, like I have to make like a super Nintendo or something like that. Like if I only had a laser cutter, yeah, it could be done stacking layers, sanding it's possible, mm -hmm. but probably better for the 3d printer. So I kind of go through the project and literally like, if I would show you my folders for my projects, it's, there's always like a reference folder, a folder called 3d files and a folder called laser. So all my files for those things go in there. And then all the loose yeah, stuff that I make by hand, like uh, if I have to print posters, signs, things like that, that goes in another folder. And all my projects are organized like that. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's honestly not as much as people would think. Um, you know, like mm -hmm. if I'm doing a facade of a building, usually I'll just laser cut like the main shape like the base basically. So it would be like the square and like cut out where the windows are and cut out where the doors. That's going to be what I cut on the laser. Then you build stuff on yeah. Then I'll use styrine to like, you know, if okay. it's, if it's siding or if it's whatever, um, if it has shingles, then I'll add that with styrene or other paper or cardboard. Oh, yeah. Nice so I'm only using it for like solid. for the base mm -hmm. structure, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like you design the whole thing and 3D print the whole thing and just paint it. No. It's it's much more than that. You make the best use of it, but you, you know how to stay creative and be Yeah, useful. and it's also like selfishly, like, it's, you know, it's for me also. Yeah. Like if the whole thing, first of all, I, when you see a project that's 100% laser cut, as good as someone can paint it, you can tell. Because everything is the yeah. same thickness and everything is the same texture. Um, it shows, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if I'm looking at the house you were talking about before, yeah. let's say if I would have had to make this, you know, I would have probably laser cut like mm -hmm. the piece for the roof. I would have laser cut the front with the mm -hmm. holes where the windows go. That's probably it. And you build from there. That's, that's probably it. Maybe the, the shutters, I would have laser cut those. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Like everything else would have been styrene yeah, or whatever, you know, 
I would have probably 3D printed that chair. So basically the, mm -hmm, yeah. Which was, you know, like just things like that, but everything else like is super organic textured stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically your laser cutter is made to build like the, yeah. the main structure. Like it then, it's kind of, sorry, I'm going to say, but it's kind of like a yeah. skeleton. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it then you build, yeah. you build around it. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. Like that right there, it's, it's being smart. It's not being lazy. And it's, and again, like, whatever people say, if I didn't have the laser cutter, I would have just cut it myself with a knife or a jigsaw or, or whatever. Uh, depends, mm -hmm. the, depends the material yeah, you I would use. Why you not know? use them? Um, but mm -hmm. like, I've never, um, I've never done a project that was 100% 3D printed or 100% laser cut. Um, it will feel off. It will feel like, like you said, it will, the feel won't be there. Like you can be no. something and made by hand. One thing I, I tell a lot of people um, is, you know, like they'll look at something I made or like it's in the process of being made so they can still tell what it's made out of. And they'll be like, oh, your laser cutter mm -hmm. did that? And I'm like, well, I did it. I just used the laser cutter. And the, and, and the thing is like, one thing I explain to people is I'm on Facebook. I, I, I'm not on Facebook very much, but I'm in a lot of groups. So I'm in a group of people that have the same 3D printer as me. I'm in a group of people that have the same laser cutter as me. And I'm in the groups mostly for like troubleshooting. It's just quicker to ask other people like, mm -hmm. hey, have you had this problem? And they answer you the same day. Um, that's why I'm in them. But one thing I noticed, and, it, and it's not to like shit on these people. It, it, one thing I tell people is like, do you know how many people own 3D printers? Do you know how many people own laser cutters now that they're like desktop size and everything? Millions of people, millions. How many of those people mm -hmm. are using those tools to make what I make? Not many. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. that, that's my point. Like if you go in the, in the group for the, the laser cutter I own, everyone's making coasters, they're engraving cutting boards. They're making Christmas ornaments. No one's making buildings and miniatures and parking garages and for sure. And to me saying, saying that a tool is, is cheating or whatever, you know, is like, it, it's silly to me, you know, to say someone using a table saw tools are meant to be used. Yeah. And the thing is like to, to tell someone like that's using a table saw, oh, you're not a real woodworker unless you use a handsaw. Like that's <laughs> at the end of the day, you're cutting a piece of wood. It doesn't change yeah. anything what you exactly. use to cut it. It's just uh, being like seeing the big picture, yeah, you know, for sure. And um, yeah, so so out of the two, since you said you don't have either, mm -hmm. if you had to like tomorrow, you had to get one, which one would you get? Oh, laser printer for sure. Yeah. Laser printer for sure. Like 100%. This, uh, like you said, like people, you do coasters, do this, do that, but 3D printing, I can I can go anywhere, buy parts from anywhere, mm -hmm. from anyone, you know. Yeah. If it had to be, it would be the laser cutter for sure. I think I'm thinking like many times to get one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Glowforge, which is mm -hmm. a popular brand, they just came out with one that's a little bit smaller than their okay. big pro one, but it's made more for like you know in your home and your like everything is built into it, like the filter and everything. So it's like it's the size of like a a big like inkjet printer. I think okay. it's about like that big. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's really decently priced. I think it's like under two thousand. Okay, so that's which is yeah, like, I mean, it's easily you get the money back like easily after a few oh, projects. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man, I didn't know how to spend money today. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> uh, I know, maybe I'm, I know. I'm thinking about it. I, I thought about it many times. You know. Yeah. But... You just have to like the only trick is like you need to be able to vent it out a window. Okay. That's the only. Uh... Maybe that's my same problem with the three D printer. You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah. the 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 resin printer I use. Uh, I bought these little air purifiers. Mm-hmm. It's by the same brand that makes the printer, and it, it's a pack of two. And I always put one inside the printer, and one right outside. And you can get um, water soluble resin, which doesn't smell. Okay. So you don't yeah, need to yeah, vent yeah. anywhere. Not, or... Enough to. That was my first impression about that. You know, maybe I kept it for for a few years now. Maybe I'm wrong about the you know the three D printing stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. The way I see, like like I say, you know, I start doing that with lots of because uh, I'm still car oriented. Whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing is really involving yeah. cars most of the time. So I start that uh, by meeting a lot of people that, that build uh, model cars and all that. And in this war, in this field, there's tons of people pretty printed stuff. You know, the way I see it, I try to be generous in a way. I just buy from them, and for I have a project. You know, I, I got to do this, 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 and that. I buy from that person. Everybody gets. So you have people you can reach out to, like if you need a very specific car. Yeah. You have someone yeah. to be like, yo, I need a 92 Buick, whatever. And the guy's like, I got you. Car, I'm not sure. I don't know the, that many designer for that. Okay. It's mostly when it comes to actually 3D printing something. Okay. You know, the design, I had, when was that? Like two weeks ago, I had to have a replica. I have to make like like a a truck mm-hmm. you know i got i got a replica i gotta make and there's this specific type of wheels that i can't find anywhere and somebody reached out I just, that's why i did a post like a few weeks ago somebody reached out to me it's like hey i can do it for you so that was really the first time that somebody actually designed something for for me you know and again the customer is gonna pay me but i include for sure yeah, whatever, whatever i recently that. did that with um the that skateboard room that i made mm-hmm um there was a very specific chair amazing yeah there was a very specific chair like in the corner of the room and it was almost like besides the skateboards it was like the centerpiece Mm -hmm. and i thought of every which way of making this chair and i i know how to 3d model very basically Mm -hmm. um enough to like if i need to make a mailbox or something like that like super small because when you go super small like you can't print that many details so it's a little bit of forgiveness but this was a much larger scale it was like one twelfth um and the chair was like very organic looking i was like i don't know how i'm gonna 3d model this or i can't laser cut it um so i reached out to a buddy of mine this uh, this guy joe um i used to work with him um, at this company a while back and he's a product designer does a bunch of 3d prints toys and stuff um, i'll put up his um his instagram below um so he made the chair for me uh he sent me the because i have a 3d printer he he just sent me the file Um, and I just 3d printed it myself. Uh, then I sanded it and painted it and textured it. So it looked like fabric and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole other world. Um, but it's amazing. Like, like I said, you know, like that way somebody gets to, you know, be part of the project in a way, you know, 
I, I like to share stuff in general. Oh, for, for sure. Me. I also I'm, worked I'm, with um, yeah. um, this girl on Instagram. Her name is Party Monster Workshop. She okay. makes like miniature food. Okay. Um, and it's something that I've never, like I'll make stuff out of polymer clay, but like very, very little. And okay. she was super good at it. And I, I was doing this thing for a client in LA and I needed a bunch of little burgers and the little containers full of like onions and pickles and stuff like that. Uh, so I sent her the measurements and I'm like, Hey, can you make me a couple of burgers and whatever? So she sent them to me. She even sent me extras, which I sent to the client. Um, selfishly, I should have kept them and like used them in <laughs> other, just like hide burgers and all my builds. But, um, yeah, so. Uh, that was that was super cool. That that was I think the first time that I worked with another artist, like okay. and included their stuff in 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 my my work. Um, That's amazing. I, I kind of like that. You know, I'm not saying that I would share everything with everyone because as, after all, that's yeah. still my. Well, I think work. we even talked about like you doing a car and then me doing like the yeah, rest yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, when would that happen? You know. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's cool. You know, like to. People get to eat, you know, you for sure. You know. for sure. Oh, it's very fun. I have one question real quick. Yeah. What is your, like, if you have to pick mm -hmm. your favorite task, like the thing you're most excited about, whenever, whatever you're doing? Hmm. Very good question. Um, you're excited about it. Like sometimes you, you even want to skip step to get to that point. What will be? I kind of have two. Um, my first one has nothing to do with physically making anything. Um, so I love the research part of it. Okay. Um, when it's a, when it's a movie, yeah. When it's a movie or a TV show or a scene, I, I feel like I'm a hunter, right? Okay. Because when you're dealing with a movie or a TV okay. show, the only reference you have is what exists, what exists on the internet, right? Like, I feel like I'm mm -hmm. a detective. Um, I'm, I'm searching websites for like, did anyone ever post behind the scenes pictures or, you know, things like that? Or, you know, like when I would, when I do like a crazy one in terms of research was, uh, when I research back to the future, there's three mm -hmm. movies, but in the second movie, they go back into the first movie. Yeah. So sometimes I'm researching a scene and I'm like, Oh, but I can't quite see like what's on the other side of this thing. And then I'm like, wait a minute in part two, you they see were. it from this side. So, you know, you, you, you pop in the part two DVD and you're going through oh, grabbing a screenshot and things like that. Um, or even if it's like a real, a real place, you know, you're using Google maps, you're using like any kind of research you can. Um, and there's just like that weird satisfaction of like that sign that you can't find a picture of it anywhere. And then like, once we get Boom, it. you find it on like Flickr or something. Someone took a picture of it and you're like, now I know what it says. I can recreate it. Or I don't know why, like that research oh. part. No, I totally get it because it's fun. Like it's like so much satisfaction. Yeah. Then you put all the pieces together and you kind of already built it in your yeah. head. In a way. Um, so to answer this, the, the question in terms of building, what's my favorite part? Um, I think it has a little bit to do with how I build. Uh, okay. So what I mean by that is, uh, I'll give you an example. Do you know? Are you familiar with Boilai Hobby Time on we YouTube? Boilai? No. No. So he's this YouTuber. He makes like dioramas and stuff, uh, and he has this way of making things. 
where he'll basically glue everything down. The textures, the, the rocks, the this and that, whatever. Then he sprays the whole thing black with a white highlight. And then he paints everything like in place. Oh, everything by hand after. It works for him. It would drive me insane. I, I can't work that way. Um, but his stuff looks great. The, the way I work is almost as if I was building this thing life-size. So I'll build like my main structure. And then I have all like, I usually have a little tub with all the little accessories, the garbage mm -hmm. cans, the street signs, the, the little, this, the sign, the whatever. And all those things are, you know, built, painted, weathered separately. So I always get to a point in my project where it's like assembly day, right? Where it's like, okay, the building is now being glued to the base. And once that's done, now I can glue on the signs and the garbage can and the this and the, you know, so you replicate the actual timeline, like whatever. Almost like almost. Right. So I, I kind of, and I, one of the reasons I started doing this was because my shop isn't that big. Um, mm -hmm. I know it's bigger than a lot of, like a lot of people just have like a little work table and like it, it's all relative, right? Like for me, it feels small. So one of the reasons I started doing it that way is so I could, you know, work on, let's say the building and not have like the base, which is, let's say twice the size, like taking up space on my workbench. So I would always work like in segments and then like assemble. So for me, like assembly day is like where it all comes together. Cause up until that point, everything is separate. Yeah. You know? And then you put, like the end of the movie, right? Yeah. And it just like, it all comes together and you're like, yes, it all fits and it's aligned and like whatever. And then once everything is assembled, I do one final pass of either touch-ups and weathering. So if anything got scratched or whatever during the assembly, yeah. then I do one pass of weathering that really like ties everything together. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that I do it and like, you know, I paint the base black or the back or whatever the next finishing steps are. And that's pretty yeah, much You it. mean like the actual, like not the, the piece itself, but the, the display. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's always the last step. Um, but yeah, my, my, le honestly, my least favorite step is just preparing all the materials, okay. like laser cutting all the stuff and waiting for the 3d printer to do its thing and whatever, like it's that for me is like, meh. those are like meh days, you know, like, it's mm -hmm. just like, it's, you know, if, if you're building something for real, like for me, that's the day where you're like at home Depot buying the wood, you're not really making anything. Yeah. And then once but I have all my pieces, then it's like. I start assembling, I start building, it starts coming together. You know, painting days are super exciting because things come to life and, and all that yeah. stuff. So the painting is fun because it's instant result. It's right there. It's not like Yeah, and before that it's just stuff, right? It's just shapes. It's just you know, ideas. But once it's painted, once it's you have the texture and and you know, sometimes I'll I'll grab one thing I made because I'm so happy with it and I'll just grab that one garbage can or whatever it is and i'll bring it outside and like i'm looking at it with my eyes like in real life in 3d and i'm like it looks real you know and it's like if i can fool me and i made it like that's my 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 level of like accomplishment you know like that's yeah, when yeah, i know yeah. like okay this this part's done but that's a good point like you say you take it outside because sometimes i'm gonna train myself to do that more often is your eyes can get tired. You know, it's kind of like music, music makers, you know, sometimes yeah. they step out of the studio 
two seconds and they come back with a fresh pair of ears, yeah. you know, and then the sound sound the sound sounds sound completely differently, you know, sound good or yeah. crappy. No, you got to like take it out of your workshop, look at it a different light, um, take a picture of it. Yeah, like a lot of the pictures I post online, they're not shot to be posted. They're they're shot like as tests for me. Like, does it look mm -hmm. real on camera? Because if it looks real mm -hmm. on camera, then it can trick the eye and it can fool the eye. It's very easy as an artist to just get to a point with something where you're like, ah, it's good enough, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I try not to do that. To me, it's, it's, yes, I do get to a point where I'm like, it's good enough, but good enough is never like my excuse for not finishing something. Yeah, not rushing it, but I mean, like once you decide, yeah, that one is good, I study yeah. other aspects, done you know yeah yeah I and, I, and I sometimes i catch myself like i know like when i start getting tired or i've been working on a project for a long time and if i start telling myself like eh, no one's gonna notice i catch myself that. saying that and i'm like time to step away mm -hmm. time to step away work on something else i come back to it and then i'm like no they're gonna notice and then i fix it and i'm motivated to fix it and it's you know like we need to step away sometimes. And that's, that's what some people don't understand. Um, but I have super amazing clients. They're super patient. Um, a lot of them wait a year for something. And you I know. feel like that's kind of a good thing. It gives you more credibility in a way, mm -hmm. like more like, I'm going to say that kind of, your name is your currency in a way. Mm -hmm, for sure. You know, yeah. like, I got to wait for that because uh, it's not something mass produced. It's something made by hand. It's something like mm -hmm. it's going to be one of a kind. And like I said, that your name is your currency at that point. Yeah. And, and also, like, I, I find, again, because I have, you know, I have my waiting list is probably almost, it's approaching two years. So Maybe. I know for the next year and a half, I have work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um and, you know, I, I've, I have people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I want this, this and this. And if it's something I know is like someone's specialty or something they've made before or whatever, like I'll tell that client, like, look, one of my buddies already made this or makes this all the time, whatever, reach out to them. Like, you'll probably get it sooner than you would for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, like, it keeps me away from like making something that somebody else already made. And like, I don't like to play that game. Mm -hmm. um, my stuff's copied all the time and it doesn't matter how popular I get or how big my account gets, whatever it still bothers you, you know, because mm -hmm. you did the research, you did all the creative work, you took all that time. And then someone's just looking at your thing and being like, yeah, I'll make the same thing. Um, and it bothers me because a lot of these people are talented. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, you're using your talent for evil. You know, like you're using yeah. your talent where you could be making something original. You're just like using that talent to replicate, which I don't understand. But so I try not to yeah, get it better for them, right? To not just, yeah, for themselves. Like, hey, I made something unique. Yeah, when it's for themselves, I don't care. I'm like, good for you, like whatever. And, and you know, I've had other artists um, make stuff that I've made before but they're mm -hmm. doing their own interpretation of it. Uh, and because they, they are like, I'll help them out if I can, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, uh, like I had, uh, 
I had Mei Lin from, uh, you know, I'm sure you know Mei Lin. She makes the little oh, houses man, out of paper. Yeah. Um, she's actually going to be on the next podcast. Uh, nice. But at one point she was making uh, Satrials from uh, The Sopranos. And I had made that years ago, I think in 2018 or something. Uh, I think that's how I discovered your work with that one. Yeah. And she, um, she's, she, I thought she was making it and I shot her and she was making like the whole building with the building next to it. It was completely different from mine. Uh, and I sent her a message. I'm like, look, I'm like, I had retraced the sign and everything in illustrator. So I was like, if you want, I have the files. Like I sent them to her. I'm like, if you want to use them, use them. If you don't, you know, but like, I have no use for it. Like, I'm not going to make this again. Um, just things like that. You know, I had, a, I had someone that wanted the door from friends uh, and Ryan from what the hell makes it all the time. So mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, here's his Instagram and the frame around. The yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, he makes it all the time, like message him, you know, you might get it faster than you would from me. So, mm -hmm. um, well, that's amazing. I see that's the beauty of social media right there, yeah. you know, things that maybe you wouldn't be able to do uh, if they were like 10 years ago or something, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's, the, that, that's what I like. That's yeah. one. There, there's, a, there's a limit, you know, as a business, you have to be careful because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't see McDonald's advertising for Burger King. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you have to be careful. You know, I, I see a lot of people in the community and most of them are hobbyists that you know, like their entire story or all their stories every day is sharing work from other artists. And I get it. Community. We all love each other. We all do the same thing. But, you know, don't do that and then complain that you don't get any work and that no one pays you for your stuff. I'm like, you spend your day advertising cool. for other artists and exactly. you spend your day building your community, your, your page to attract other artists. These people will never hire you. Mm -hmm. You're not attracting clients. You're attracting other people to do the same thing as you. Mm -hmm. So again, like if your goal is to not turn it into a business and you know, you just want to be in the community and share, that's fine. But if your goal is to turn it into a business, you need to be careful, like who you share, what you share and whatever. Cause like you, you know, you want your following to be your following and to become yeah, you your are. business and your clients. Yeah, because you have a yeah, you have that beautiful tool right there to be able to promote whatever you want to do. You know, so might as well yeah. do it in a smart way. You know, because it's, I mean, Instagram, whatever, like all the social media, it's like, I mean, it's amazing. You can you can do whatever you want. You can you can promote your own work. You can promote you as a person. Of course, I'm going to talk about us. We do miniature, but I mean, there's also all those influencers, yes. you know, like they use all the, all the tools they can to promote themselves, you know, for sure. So that goes, that goes back to what you just say, like, be careful what you're doing, you know, like it yeah. can go, like you can easily go in certain reputation. Yeah. It's all on you. Like whoever, whatever the outcome is, it's all on you. Yeah, for sure. 100%. You know, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's, I'm really happy about like social media, you know, that because it's, that's how really I was able to, to turn that into a business, yeah. you know, same here, same here, uh, having the, having the social media presence, you know? So as we mm -hmm. finish off this podcast, mm -hmm. do you have a tip for people that are listening? Um, I, I won't ask 
for a specific type of tip. If you want it to be a business side tip, it could be a weathering tip. It could be whatever, you know, social media tip. What's mm -hmm. one tip that you would share with people? I will go with a weathering tip. Yep. Uh, so that will go really to more like to people that actually build stuff also. Mm -hmm. Replicate uh, wind. I just use my airbrush. Oh, the air okay. from airbrush, you know. It can be anything. It can, that's why I do with the um, final wash. I usually do this with the final, like the, the thing that's going to bind everything together. I just do like a rough wash and then I just spray with my airbrush. The wind is like, the wind doesn't go in one direction. It goes yeah, everywhere, yeah, yeah. you know. And usually for me, that's kind of like my magic touch. At the end, once I do this, I'm like, oh, that thing is alive now. Yeah. So you, you know? give your, your weathering... The, a sort of natural direction by using wind. Yeah, like it will be like like if we, I can look, go outside now, look at a dumpster, look at everything. It's it's not perfect. Yeah. Everything goes in new direction. And yeah, and I just use my airbrush, use my whatever I'm painting, and I just turn everything yeah. like this. Like I've, no, I've, there's uh, no pattern. There's I don't no, do that with my weathering and stuff. It's a great idea. It's a great tip. I'm definitely gonna try it. I have used something similar like a similar technique mm -hmm. where I don't remember the piece, but I, I, I wanted something to look like it was like splashed, like it had splashed up onto the building. So what I did is I just okay. put like, you know, black and brown paint with water, like where the puddle would have been. And then I took, I always have a, like an air can, you know, to clean like computer keyboards. Mm -hmm. I always keep one on my bench to just dust off like anything I sanded or whatever, just. And what I did is I put it super close to the, puddle and I just went and it just splashed up like supernaturally and because the the paint was yeah, so thin and the blast of air was so strong that the splashes were like to scale almost like they were very thin they weren't like big real water droplets so it looked super super cool mm -hmm. and it just made me think of that yeah because also right there you replicate the process you know to get realism for me I always try to see a to replicate the process, yeah. you know, like how can I make, like I said, the win in in a one twenty four yeah. scale, you know, like a strong win. So it's gonna be from the airbrush, you know, or yeah. things like that. That's that's also a way to to get realism is to, yeah, replicate how it's gonna happen in in a real in yeah. a real world, you know. How would you do this in a real world? How can I make it? Small, I'll, I'll transition you know? that to my tip, which is you know, about realism and how to make things look real is my first step is always, you know, can I make whatever it is I'm making out of the real material? You know, if it's metal, okay. can I make it out of a thin sheet of metal? If it's wood, like, can I make it out of wood? If it's acrylic, mm -hmm. can I laser cut it out of acrylic and make it, you know, because if you can use the real material, there's nothing that can beat that. Nothing. Um, you know, like, yes, you can make resin look like a rusty piece of metal or plastic or whatever, for sure, okay, you know, but you're going to need a lot more skill, a lot more technique, a lot more years on the job to get that to look real versus, you know, actually, I think well, I just, just saw, uh, well, not just saw, but like recently you, you had something where like the trunk of the car looked like it was like aluminum. It was real metal, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a of, uh, yeah, aluminum. Yeah, you can totally tell. And 
that's mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? Like when you use the real material, it shows and it becomes even on. more convincing. And mm-hmm. I always find it funny when I get comments like, "Oh, how did you get this to look like that?" And I'm like, "It's, it's the real thing." Like, how did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it can't go wrong with know, that. It looks it's like what thing. it looks like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right here, uh, Alonzo's Monte Carlo, right? Yeah, from the movie yeah, training with day, all the yeah. bullet holes and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Like you would have never been able to get that look with paint. It would have been too difficult. Oh, no, not at all. You know, you get all the little scratches, no, the no. dents, the, all the little, all the little things in there. Like it's awesome. And then I still have to do the yeah. The final step. And like, I don't know if you've looked into like, this already. I did it years ago. I, if I can remember what piece it is, I'll send you a picture. But I did something like that with aluminum. But I had bought mm-hmm. this product online. I think it's like some sort of acid oxide or acid something where basically like it's like a, you open it up and there's a brush and you put this on anything metal, aluminum, steel, and it rusts instantly. Like re- kind, of, kind of, yeah, thing? but it's like a, a acid something. If I can find it, I'll send mm-hmm. it to you. Uh, but basically it'll like within 20 minutes, you'll have real rust on whatever it is it's it's surface rust it's not like your thing is not going to rot and have a hole in it it's completely surface rust but like you let that rust and then once it rusts or once it's at a point where you like it you like matte clear coat or whatever and then it just stops rusting and it's like yeah but again that you can't go wrong if you replicate the same process yeah exactly that's the that's the beauty you know that's for me that's kind of one of the satisfaction is finding those ways to to replicate the actual yeah. real process you know so that's my thing but i want to say one thing yeah. before we i want to say thank you for taking the initiative to to do that i know that a lot of people want to start podcasts and all that but it's a lot more work than what we think <laughs> it's not just uh here let's talk about this it's lots of planning lots of all the stuff yeah. behind you know well, thank you for the on behalf of the community, you know, to, to be able to to do that, to for us to share our story, for me to whatever was happening after, you know. So yeah, that's amazing, Thanks, great man. initiative. I mean, this was I, my I goal really like with that. the first podcast. Um, I think you know having three people like the same three people on every every time was probably where where we went wrong and it's very hard to especially three people that do it full time it's very hard to mm-hmm. plan and time zones and this and that it's just you know um so i thought i'd give it another shot i figure like if it's just me plus a guest then you know it's much easier for me to accommodate one person than for three people yeah. to try and accommodate each other you know um but yeah, uh, i am going to have them on as guests so uh, that'll be fun sort of catching up from the old podcast so oh, all right Francois, yeah. thank you very much uh we will thank keep chatting so online as we always do and uh i will yeah. put Francois's information uh, right below you can check him out give him a follow uh he has 160,000 followers on instagram going strong and uh he's kicking ass taking names so enjoy and uh i'm a fan i enjoy seeing your work all the time and uh, oh, we'll talk so soon. Much. Have a Absolutely. good one, man. Absolutely. Ciao. You too. 
Scale Talk Podcast with David Miniatures. <laughs>